Hello, I'm Amber Athey, The Spectator's Washington editor, and I'm here to encourage you to subscribe to The Spectator's American edition. If you visit spectator.us forward slash subscribe, you can get our print and digital edition for just $7.99 a month. This means you get unlimited access to our amazing website and we'll send you a beautiful 80-page monthly magazine. You'll also have access to our mobile app. Subscribe now at spectator.us forward slash subscribe. You won't regret it. Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast. I am U.S. Managing Editor Matt McDonald. In for Freddie Gray this week, who is sidelined with the coronavirus. He'll be back next week. We will be discussing the collapse in Andrew Cuomo's reputation with our guest, who is the senior meteorologist at Fox News and author of the forthcoming book, Make Your Own Sunshine, Inspiring Stories of People Who Find Light in Dark Times, Janice Dean. Hello, Janice. Oh, it's nice to see you, my friend. So if we revisit the heart of the pandemic last year, and we think of the popular perception of New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, a lot of the major newspapers in America and the cable news networks are being overwhelmingly positive about Cuomo, almost in contrast to Trump. They're talking up his daily briefings and his handling of the virus. That's now a dramatically different picture to how New York Governor Cuomo's handling of the virus is being characterized now. What would you say the major differences are? And why do you think potentially then he was maybe not as closely scrutinized as he is being now. Okay. So in the beginning, he was the pandemic prince. You know, he was doing his daily briefings with his PowerPoint presentation, and he was delivering it in his calm Queens accent. And that's what the viewers wanted. That's, you know, we were sort of in a tailspin. What was going on? We were all in quarantine. And he delivered these calm sort of, here's what's going on. Here's what we're doing in New York. Here's what we need. And even I was on social media saying, this guy is doing a good job, you know? But then my husband's parents died. They were in elder care facilities. We lost my husband's dad in late March and we had no idea he was even sick. We were in quarantine beginning in the beginning of March. We weren't able to go out. You know, we were all sort of, I was home from work. My kids were home. And so we were getting regular updates as best as we could from my husband's parents' facilities. And his dad was in a rehab. So he was actually supposed to be with my mother-in-law in an assisted living facility close to where we live. And that was a fairly recent move because for months, we didn't know how we were going to care for them because their health was failing. His dad had dementia. So, you know, my heart goes out to all of these people that have to make this decision in their lifetime, how to care for their elderly parents who really need 24 hour care. But again, the goal was to have them in the same facility, but because his dad had health issues, we're get, we were getting him into better shape. Right. Then the pandemic happened. We were quarantined. We couldn't go see them. We got a phone call on a Saturday in late March saying his dad wasn't feeling well. And then three hours later, we got a call saying he was dead. Hmm. No clue that he had gotten coronavirus. Didn't even know he had a fever. And we didn't know he died from COVID until we saw the death certificate. 
my husband had to deliver the news to his mother in her assisted living facility, hardest thing he's ever had to do. We couldn't see them. We couldn't be with them. You know, that was so difficult. His mom got sick just days later, was transported to the hospital. They diagnosed her with coronavirus and she died in the hospital. Because I wasn't seeing the reports on television about the bits and pieces of news that I was picking up from the newspaper, I was getting angry because I was seeing these reports all of a sudden about Andrew Cuomo and this mandate to put COVID patients into nursing homes. And we didn't know this. So I was doing my own kind of investigative journalism for my own family's sake and realizing that it wasn't being covered on television. And then I found out that he wasn't counting those that died in the hospital. So the deaths that occurred in the nursing home were counted, but those that got COVID but died in the hospital, those numbers weren't counted. They were counted as no deaths and not nursing home deaths. Correct. Right. And he was the only governor counting deaths that way. So when I noticed that there wasn't coverage on television, and instead I was seeing this governor going on his brother's CNN cable program and joking around when we couldn't have wakes or funerals for my husband's parents, that's when I decided it was time that I become vocal. And I am not a political person. I'm the meteorologist and I've been doing that for 17 years. I have never told anyone who I voted for. I've never commented on politics, but I thought it was a duty to go on television and talk about my family story so that it would get attention so that people would pay attention and that that this might generate some answers for us. Right. And so during that time, he was also kind of celebrating himself, not only on CNN with his brother, but he was writing a book in the middle of a pandemic. He came up, he came out with this ridiculous poster of uh COVID mountain, which was like the graph that showed all of the, you know, how many coronavirus cases were in New York and the fact that he was, he alone was bringing these cases down by, you know, flattening the curve. So I started getting really angry because every television show he was going on, like Good Morning America or CBS Sunday Morning, they never asked him the nursing home question. The thing that has changed within the last few weeks is that Letitia James, who is our attorney general in New York, decided to do her own investigation into why the deaths were so undercounted, why he wasn't adding up the people that died in the hospital. And there were many, there were many people that were trying to get answers. The DOJ had an investigation. There were many reporters I talked to that through the FOIL Act, the Freedom of Information Law Act, were trying to get the numbers. But Letitia James, who is a Democrat, put a 76-page you know, report out saying that the numbers were undercounted by at least 40 or 50%. So that came out. And then I think the dam started to break. And you know, now we know of a Democratic lawmaker who's uncle died in a nursing home. He's been trying to get the answers. And now we're hearing that the governor was bullying him. Ron Kim, right? Ron Kim. And I've become close to him because he was one of the only Democratic lawmakers that was, you know, joining me in this 
quest for answers. So now there seems to be attention because one of his aides, Melissa DeRosa, was in a meeting with Ron Kim and several other Democratic lawmakers. And that meeting was leaked because she basically admitted that they were covering up these numbers, these nursing home deaths, because they were afraid for the federal government to find out. And so the quotes that, I mean, this is obviously Ron Kim as recounting of it, but he said that Cuomo has been particularly harsh on him over the last couple of days. I think the quote which Kim reports Cuomo saying to him is, I will go out tomorrow and destroy you and start telling the world how bad of a member you are and you will be finished. Mm -hmm. How does that check with the you know, the 2020 public perception of Andrew Cuomo as well. Hmm. Well, it's funny because now all of a sudden people are coming out on social media and in television interviews like Bill de Blasio, our mayor, and saying, oh, yeah, this is the guy we've always known. So it's like people are joining the chorus. This guy has always acted like this the whole time, but people have been too afraid to talk about it. And I even experienced it in my own last 10 months covering this governor, I got an email from someone who knows the Cuomo family very well that basically said, watch your back. I was attacked by one of his aides saying she's not a good source on anything except maybe the weather. They called us a death cult, you know, grieving families that wanted answers. So we're now a death cult. That's his MO. He's always been like that. But I think now that with the AG report and with Ron Kim coming out and being, you know, a hero and a brave person and and not taking this, you know, this bullying anymore from the governor. I think this is, this is when the narrative changes. Right. I mean, it is interesting though, because obviously I think in around May of last year, the stories were still out there, that the stories were being published about the nursing home, disparity in numbers and and questions around the count were being raised. And they weren't, and obviously, you know, more conservative publications like the New York Post and like the Daily Caller were doing some of that investigative work. But then the Associated Press and ProPublica, which are not conservative organizations, were also producing similar stuff last summer. And so it's obviously interesting that now, after the election, now that Trump is out of the picture, that is when people are starting to pick up and run with this information that's been out there for months. Mm Mm-hmm. That's that's a good point. And hats off to those publications because they did do very good journalism. The AP actually recently did their own reporting and found out that it was over 9,000 patients that went into nursing homes. And that was from their own reporting, you know, not from the, the Letitia James report. But that goes to show you the information can be had. And it is interesting timing that now all of a sudden the media wants to cover it. And in that moment as well, you know, in attempts to justify, well, obviously there have been several attempts on Cohen's behalf to brush this off and justify it. Like he'll say that it's a New York Post Republican hit job. He then, another point he was saying, you know, the Republicans are just trying to make political hay out of this. I think one of his most more recent examples after the report was he said, we didn't miscount the total number of deaths. It's just there was a there, like, and then he was trying to extrapolate, well, what is the difference between a nursing home death and a hospital death? How would you answer that question, which he asked rhetorically? Well, let's put it this way. If there's a car accident on the highway and the person is seriously injured and on the way to the hospital in the ambulance or at the hospital, the person dies, does that make it a hospital death or is it still a car crash death? 
statistically, right? right? So that's what I would say to him. And listen, from the very beginning, he has always blamed everyone else and he's never taken any accountability. And I've always said at the very beginning, if he had said, I'm so sorry for your loss. I made some mistakes. I got bad advice. Please, you know, forgive me. We won't do this again. We were trying to save hospital beds for more patients. You know, our numbers were off. We would have accepted that and moved on. But instead, he blamed everyone else from God to Mother Nature to the New York Post. It's a conspiracy. The numbers are the numbers. Who cares if it happened in a hospital or the nursing home? He's always been someone who hasn't expressed any empathy or remorse. And I think that is his downfall. Right. In terms of what you're describing at the start of the start of the recording, it seems like he's more into the pedantry of leadership rather than actually leading. And because leadership, obviously, I would assume leadership sometimes requires taking tough decisions and then taking responsibility for when there are potential negative outcomes to those. And that hasn't been the case with with the governor. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. And actually, there was a quote that I remember reading. He was at Riverside Church after he released his leadership book and he was doing his book tour in the middle of a pandemic as body bags are being piled up outside of nursing homes. And he said that he said a good leader is someone that accepts responsibility or if makes mistakes, you know, admits to them. He actually said that. And I had to shake my head and say, well, that's really good advice, but you don't take it, you know? And that's kind of, you're right. It's his MO. He was on another channel saying people made mistakes in this pandemic and they, they died. People died. And I thought to myself, he was, he was talking about Trump, but I was, I thought to myself, no, you're talking about yourself, you know? So but you're right, all through this, he had the, the pandemic book and then he had the Emmy Award and he was accepting all sorts of awards during this whole thing. And you know, I think you tell yourself a lie as many times and you start to believe it. I think that's what happened. He started to really believe that you know, everyone else was the problem and not the person that signed the executive order March 25th. Right. In terms of the knock-on effect of, of these stories that are emerging now, and you know, late Wednesday, the FBI, well, the Times Union in Albany announced that the FBI are going to be investigating him with the US Attorney in Brooklyn. In terms of consequences, his poll numbers have dropped, but only slightly in the last, in the last week. There was a Siena poll out, which I think said that his job approval is down five points month to month. His favorability is down one point month to month, though the polling was done in the middle of all of these stories coming out. But for the same polling group, the Siena College poll, which conducted that, he still had an 83% approval rating among Democrats. So when it comes to what's actually going to happen when you have a governor like this with whom you're so dissatisfied, in California, they can attempt to recall the governor if they're dissatisfied with him. New York doesn't have that system. So do you think that impeachment is likely? Do you think that he would withstand a credible primary challenge from a Democrat further to the left? Do you think that a Republican could give him a good challenge in 2022 when he's up for re-election again? I definitely think he's wounded. There's no question. The fact that there's an FBI investigation, and I, I think that there's criminal intent here. I think if they find the origin of the March 25th order, where it came from, it wasn't based on science. The fact that nine of his top health advisors have quit, yeah. you know, get those people on the stand. Why was he listening to hospital lobbyists? He did not listen to science. He was listening, you know, there's some good reporting on that too, that, you know, the lobbyists 
that donate millions of dollars to his campaign were the ones telling him to put COVID positive patients in a nursing home. The fact that he didn't use the comfort ship and the Javits Center and the makeshift hospitals that the federal government gave him. If you go down that road and you can find the letters of origin or the emails or who was the one that put that in his ear, I think there's going to be a trail of something that he can't get away from. I think it's crazy that, if you, you know, if you take it back a year from now, when it comes to thinking about the coronavirus and where it was in the middle of February, I think at this point, the epicenter of the coronavirus in the US was the life care center in Kirkland, Washington state. Mm-hmm. So even then, at this time, 12 months ago, we had the fact that, you know, nursing homes and care facilities could be to use, I think his expression was something about fire through brush grass, yep. something like that. Fire through dry grass. We knew that we knew that then. And yet the the policy which which he enacted and then tried to blame on Trump and the CDC, it's kind of staggering in terms of leadership qualities. And even thinking about him as a, well, a fourth term governor or a 2024 presidential candidate, which is what moves in the summer as well. Beggar's belief, I think. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing is, I've talked to people who worked in nursing homes, and they felt they had no choice but to take these COVID positive patients. And they weren't prepared. They didn't have the PPE. I've talked to people who were wearing garbage bags and, you know, wearing dirty garbage bags because they didn't have enough PPE and they didn't have masks. And they were told that they couldn't do any testing on these patients to find out if they had COVID. So that's also in the March 25th order. When you talk about a fourth term governor, I think if there was ever a time for a conservative, or someone, you know, to challenge him, this would be the time to do it. Because I, I really don't think, I just don't think he can get past this. I don't. A number of people, both in our, on our website this week, on other websites, in the New York Post, and on your channel, have been mentioning you as the potential Republican contender. I'm not going to ask you to confirm or deny that, but will you tell us if you make a decision either way? So will I tell you if I make a decision? Absolutely. If we can you be one of the first people to know. Of course I will. But I'll tell you, I love my job at Fox. I've been there for 17 years. The one thing I will say is that somebody like Ron Kim, who is doing what he's doing right now for the right reasons, because he's been affected by something, you know, that has basically brought him to this moment of wanting change. Those are the people that I would like to see in government something that affects them, that makes them want to do something good with their leadership, as opposed to these career politicians like Cuomo, whose dad was in it, and he feels like for some reason, you know, he's been the chosen one. Those people, the ones that want to do it for the right reason to inspire change, those are the people we should be voting for. Well, for a country that got rid of a royal family a few hundred years back, you know, America loves its political dynasties. That's the, the strange thing about it, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think Ron Kim is interesting. I mean, when we talk about credible primary challenges, Ron Kim is to the left, I think, of Cuomo on a lot of issues. He is, but he's got a story and he's somebody that really wanted to do something. Well, I think we'll leave it there. But Janice, thank you so much for making the time to speak to us. And I do hope you come back if you decide to run for governor. (laughs) Even if not. (laughs) What about when my book comes out? Can I come back then? Sure. Although, although I think we're pretty close to it, right? It's out on March 2nd in the US. March 2nd, yes. But I'd be happy to come on when it actually uh, is out there being published. For sure. Janice, thank you so much. You're welcome, my friend. Thank you, Matt.